On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the PPG 375 at Texas Motor Speedway and the Australian Grand Prix. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rev Hang. I'm Nathan, and alongside me virtually is my good friend, co-host, and former Formula SAE engineer and team principal, Ben Bagley. How you doing, Ben? Formula SAE engineer seems a bit generous. Uh, I prefer paperwork guy, but I appreciate it all the same. Uh, so I'm pretty good, waiting for the rain to stop so I can get back on a motorcycle, but aside from that, it's been going pretty well. Uh, there were some really good races last week. Yes, yes, we did have some good races last week, uh, two of them, and uh, it's not often we get both uh, both races and both series uh, popping off like they did, so I'm very excited to dive right in this week. We have, we'll start with the IndyCar PPG 375. This took place at Texas Motor Speedway, one of the most legendary tracks in the United States, whether you're an NASCAR fan or IndyCar fan, and uh, boy howdy did we have quite the race this week yeah yeah a pretty good introduction to uh oval racing for the season i would very yeah, much say so a pretty good way to start it off yeah if you uh if you've never seen an oval race and you just think it's it's boring stuff just left turns while it is just left turns i would highly recommend starting off with the ppg 75 or 375 uh of 2023 it was fantastic it was entertaining the entire time so, we'll start with qualifying and give you the top 10, just to give you some context. On pole position was the McLaren of Felix Resingfist, followed by Scott Dixon, Alexander Rossi, Joseph Newgarden, Padua Ward, Takuma Sato, Alex Pillow, Will Power, David Malukas, and Colton Herta. Yeah, yeah, one thing I love about IndyCar is how much this order gets shaken up throughout the race. Yes, absolutely, because you would think that the top 10 really matters in qualifying, but in an oval race especially, it does not at all. Nope. <laughs> so, um, definitely uh, good qualifying from Felix, and uh, also good one from David Malukas, but on ovals, it's so close between the field. I think first to last, the difference between first and last was 0.9 seconds, looks like. Uh and there were 28 cars, so that's pretty insane. Yeah. But even then, on an oval, 0.9 seconds is an eternity, so... <laughs> yeah, the laps were, what, 24 seconds-ish? Something like that, because they run... Yeah, not even, because they run two laps for qualifying, and right. the qualifying time was 47 seconds, so it was, yeah, 23 and a half seconds is the average average time. Yeah, so that's that's how you get through 375 laps in a, a pretty quick time, in case it seems like a really big number. Uh, it is, but it goes by really quick. Yeah, you look away from the lap counter, and then you look back, and it's been 20 laps, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That was that was fast. But yeah, it's uh, it was very entertaining. Highly recommend watching this race, but regardless, we will go through the race highlights just to give you a quick rundown. Joseph Newgarden got a great start at the jump, uh, or great jump at the start, rather, <laughs> and quickly took the lead after only a couple laps with Pato Award in tow. Um, we went around, uh, Award and Newgarden kind of just pulled away from the rest of the field, but on lap 48, Takuma Sato hit the wall and caused the first caution of the race. On lap 53, Kyle Kirkwood hit Alexander Rossi in the pit lane as they pit under caution, causing damage to both cars, but Rossi was the one who went a few laps down, and Rossi actually incurred a drive through penalty as well, even though there was drama as to whether or not it was Kyle Kirkwood's fault or Rossi's fault. Uh, it was determined it was Rossi's fault. Rossi's hmm. team released him early. I did not particularly agree with the decision yeah. based on what the commentators were saying, but... It is what it is. Yeah, even if they had released him early, he at least would have seen Kirkwood if Kirkwood had been in the correct lane. Yes. But regardless, Rossi was the one who got the penalty. Uh, the race restarted. It was once again Award in Newgarden uh, going around and pulling away from the rest of the field. On lap 129, Pato Award took the lead from Joseph Newgarden and started to pull away uh, on his own on a completely different strategy. Yeah, hearing um, on the radio, his team's like, all right, feels good. Just go for it. 
Watching yeah. him take off is awesome. Pato was in a league of his own that race, uh, for sure. On lap 178, Felix Resnick-Fist got loose and hit the wall, unfortunately for him, causing a caution and ending his race. Newgarden, O'Ward, and Polo swapped the lead several times on the restart. That was a pretty fun battle to watch. On lap 209, Stingray Rob hit the wall and broke his toe link, eventually sending him down the track and into the inside wall pretty hard. This caused another caution and ended his race. That was kind of a scary crash. We watched it happen live, and it was... Ooh... Rough There's hit. a lot of energy in that, yeah. Yeah, but he was fine. He ended up being just A-OK, which was awesome to see, because I was not convinced that he would just jump out of the car <laughs> like he did. Um, but that's just a testament to the safety of these Dallara chassis. Um, pretty, I mean, like we, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, I think that the Dallara chassis are, are insanely well protected. Yeah, absolute tanks. Yep. Um, on the restart, Padua Ward retook the lead, and uh, on lap 222, just a few laps after the restart, DeFrancesco hit the wall and lost control on the bottom of the track, sending him back up the track and into the path of Ray Hall, Graham Ray Hall, ending both of their races. Um, Ray Hall ended up having kind of an airplane crash. It was a little, uh, a little scary there, but both drivers were okay. Um, there's really nothing Ray Hall could have done to avoid De Francesco at the speed he was going. So uh, it's just unfortunate for him. Not his fault at all, but uh, that was his race done. The last 12 laps were a rush with an intense battle for the lead between O'Ward, Newgarden, Pillow, and Malukas, of all people. Yeah, I all of a sudden Malukas came out of nowhere and I was like, who is this guy? I had to wait for yeah. the hood tell me his name before i realized it yeah and even grosjean was up in the front of the field yeah that was really lead. cool to see yeah for a, for an oval grosjean's really uh picked up ovals pretty quickly he's only been in the sport a couple years so it was kind of awesome to see grosjean up at the front until on lap 248 he washed out and hit the wall ending his race oh man yeah uh and then uh, that caused a caution, the last caution of the race, but the caution came out as the white flag was being waved, so the race did finish under caution. We did not go on, go to overtime, and so Joseph Newgarden finished first under caution. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I thought for sure Pato Award had that. I did too. I think I think if the race did not end under caution, it would have been... Very close, but I do think Pato was probably setting Newgarden up for a last lap pass. Yeah. Because Pato was, like we keep saying, in his own league that whole race. He was just flying. Um, at one point in the race, Newgarden and Award were the only two cars on the lead lap. Yep. Which yeah, is everyone, pretty crazy. Everyone just had a, a minus one next to their name. Yep, Grosjean was the leader of the lapped cars in third place. Yeah. Um, a full 24 seconds down on an oval, which is just nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, unfortunately, it did not pan out for Pato. He finished second. We'll go through the results real quick. Winning the race, like we said, was Joseph Newgarden, followed by Pato Award and Alex Pillow on the podium. Fourth and fifth were David Malukas and Scott Dixon. 6-10 through 10 was Scott McLaughlin, Colton Herta, Marcus Erickson, Callum Eilat, and Helio Castroneves. 11-15 was Renas VK, Augustine Canapino, Ed Carpenter, Roma Grosjean, and Benjamin Peterson. Just to note, Roma Grosjean did finish 14th because he was a couple of laps uh, ahead of the rest of the cars, and when he crashed, there were only two laps left in the race, so he did technically finish ahead of them. Huh. Uh, 16 through 20 was Will Power, Simon Pagano, Jack Harvey, Christian Lungard, and Connor Daly. 21 through 25 was Santino Ferrucci, Alexander Rossi, Devlin DeFrancesco, Graham Rahal, and Stingray Rob. Uh, we're into the DNFs now, with starting with Devlin in thir 23rd place. And then the rest of the field was Felix Rosenkvist, Kyle Kirkwood, Takuma Sato. All right. So, very, very awesome race. It was super entertaining, especially at the end. 
Lots of cautions, lots of different strategies going on, uh, and Pato absolutely flying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those safety cars really hurt him, or else he would have probably been a lap ahead of everyone for the entire race. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it was it was very interesting because Newgarden was able to pit under one of the, I think, the second to last safety car to refuel. He basically got a free stop. And unfortunately, Pato was unable to react to that, and that was what made the rest of the race really spicy, is because Newgarden, while his car was heavier because he had more fuel, he did not have to worry about hitting a fuel number uh, and fuel saving at all, where Pato did have to fuel save quite heavily. Um, but then the last caution, I believe, bailed him out quite a bit in that regard, and he was able to pit. Or, I don't know if he pit again, actually. I don't think he did. I think he I just he was able to go around slowly enough to fuel save to get to the point where he didn't have to fuel save anymore. Um, yeah. But, uh, regardless, it was uh, quite the strategy battle and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Another thing uh, is they ran, was it a NASCAR truck series earlier on for the IndyCar race? Yeah, the day before. Yeah, and they got a whole bunch of rubber right along the uh, the top of the track instead of just a single line, which generally in o in ovals you have the lower down line where there's traction, and then you have everywhere else, especially up top where there's not. That's where all the the marbles and rubber and debris get shunted up. Uh, but there is a lot of racing where people are just able to kind of hang out in that upper upper line and uh, make some pretty cool passes for sure that had i think a lot to do with how good the race was um because there were several cars like pato and uh, scott dixon and there were a few people that just had the top line absolutely figured out and then were able to utilize it better than other cars and uh those were the cars that uh were very racy and fun to watch yeah um but it was uh, kind of up in the air at the beginning of the race because the uh, the truck series ran there, like you said, and they use a different kind of rubber uh, on their tires. And so no one was really sure how how sticky that, that top line was going to be until the race started uh, because the two different types of rubber, the two different, two different compounds, don't stick together as well as the same compound would. But it ended up working out just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently it's enough. I mean, it did give you perfect traction. Stingray Rob can uh, attest to that. But it, it yeah. definitely helped the racing, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Grosjean is having a pretty poor start to his season, unfortunately. I, I love I love the guy. I is, He gets a lot of crap from a lot of people, and honestly, kind of deservedly so. But uh, you can't help but love the guy. He's... Moved to America, absolutely loving his life right now. It's a great story, uh, especially if you know how his Formula One career ended. <laughs> uh, the fact that he's back in a in a race car and killing it in Indy cars, awesome to see. But this season has not been uh, the smoothest start for him. <laughs> no, no, and he's shown like so much like progress and promise this season just in these two races. Yes. So absolutely, it, it sucks to watch him have these these problems early on. So hopefully he can get kind of back on track and turn the uh, the potential into actual points. Yes, absolutely. He's been on the top of the field both races so far, and unfortunately has crashed out at the very end of both of them. Um, the first one was definitely not his fault. But uh, this one was arguable. He kind of just got cut off. Uh, he got passed by a car, which kind of took his downforce away. And he washed out into the wall on the top of the track. Um, technically his fault, but at the same time, it's a very tricky situation um, when you lose all your downforce in the middle of turn two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's an experience thing, too. For sure. And that's just something with ovals that he's going to have to learn. And he, uh, I think, probably learned it the hard way there. But hopefully he uh, can take this experience and figure out what to do next time so it doesn't happen again. Um, but wouldn't it be a crazy, crazy story if he like came back and won the Indy 500 or something? That would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Erickson would 
beat him up, I think. Maybe. We'll see. He was the winner last last year. Sneaky sweet, as they call him. Yeah. No, I'm um, supposed to be the European who wins all four races. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pato Award is currently the championship leader after two races. He has finished second in both of them. And in IndyCar, consistency is key, not just winning. So uh, being consistently at the top like he has, if he can keep keep that up, he will, uh, I think, uh, be in a pretty good spot. But I'm sure he is very desperate for that one, that first win of the season, because he's been very fast in both races. Yeah, and it really hasn't been in his hands necessarily uh, getting that second place, uh, like in this race, the safety car. So if he, if he gets yep. a, a good run, then it should be pretty easy for him given how he's been performing. I would say so. Very talented driver performing, definitely at the top of his game. I'm a big Pato fan, a big McLaren fan, so he is the guy I am rooting for to win the championship. But we will see. We will definitely see. Uh, but great start to the season for him, for sure. Uh, another great start to the season for Joseph Newgarden. He is in fourth place currently in the championship he didn't have a great first race, but he obviously won the second race, so he is right in the mix. David Malukas is turning heads in the pit lane. He is uh, he's uh, his, his second season. He was a rookie last year, and I don't know. I don't think he won rookie of the year, but I think he was only a couple points behind. Who was it? Uh, was it Lung Lungard? I think no. Did, I don't remember. Maybe he did win the rookie of the year. <laughs> I don't remember. This I, is why Yeah. <laughs> I need to research before I talk, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> regardless, he did very well last season, and especially at the end of the season, he was putting in great performances, and that has continued into this season. He finished fourth in this race, and uh, way higher up, and I think a lot of people were going to give him credit for, and in the uh, post-race interview, he even said that he was kind of surprised. He's up here with all these legendary IndyCar names at the front of the at front of the field and then there he is just puttering around in fourth place <laughs> uh he was very happy with that result as he should be yeah and then uh finally we have Alexander Rossi with more bad luck <laughs> this guy just can't catch a break <laughs> no uh, but he was uh he was fast he was up there in qualifying I I'm sure he's going to have good good results this season with McLaren. It's a, it's a great team he's got behind him, so I'm sure the cards will will uh will fall for Rossi at some point, but it's uh <laughs> you know, he's just kind of the Fernando Alonso of IndyCar, just great driver with a lot of bad luck. <laughs> so you're saying give him another 7 years? Yes. That's what I'm saying, until Aston Martin joins the IndyCar grid and takes it by storm. Ugh. But, <laughs> which probably will never happen, but you I, never I'd know. I'd leave the country if that happened. <laughs> Alright, let's go through the standings uh, of the IndyCar season. So far, we're two races in. Uh, in first place is Pato Award, followed by Marcus Erickson and Scott Dixon. Fourth and fifth are Joseph Newgarden and Alex Pillow. 6-10 are David Malukas, Callum Eilat, Scott McLaughlin, Will Power, and Alexander Rossi. 11-15 are Colts and Herda, Augustine Canapino, Graham Rahal, Christian Lingard, and Roma Grosjean. 16-20 is Rinas VK, Helio Castroneves, Connor Daly, Jack Harvey, and Kyle Kirkwood. 21-25 are Stingray Bra, Benjamin Peterson, Marcus Armstrong, Simon Pagino, and Felix Rosenqvist. And then 26 through 30 are Ed Carpenter, Santino Ferrucci, Devlin DeFrancesco, Takuma Sato, and uh, we don't have our our last one is uh, a racer who has not had an entrance uh, yet into this season, Catherine Leger, who I mistakenly called a rookie in our pre-race uh, shakedown podcast. Uh, she is not a rookie. She has run I think 11 races in IndyCar back in the early 2010s. But she is back this season. Uh, it's huh. been a few years off for her, though. She was out, I think, overseas in Europe doing, I want to say, endurance racing. Um, but uh, anyway, she's back in IndyCar this season, running ovals, I believe. Or at least, at the very least, the Indy 500. Uh, so 
she will uh, be in the table eventually. <laughs> but not yeah. a rookie like I stated. I am sorry about that. You fooled me. I also didn't recognize <laughs> the name, so I immediately was like, oh, it must be a new person. Yeah. All right, that runs off IndyCar for this week. Let's move on to the Formula One Australian Grand Prix at Albert Park in Melbourne. This is That's a stupid qualifying. race. This race was ridiculous, uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. Okay, yeah, continue. Um, qualifying top 10, to give you context, was Max Verstappen on pole position, followed by George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso, Carlos Sainz, Lance Stroll, Charles Leclerc, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, and Nico Hulkenberg. And once again, Max Verstappen, two and a half tenths ahead of second place. Uh, absolute rocket ship that Red Bull this year. Um, but uh, another notable thing is Sergio Perez crashed his car into the wall on his first running lap in Q1, so he started last. Yeah, well, luckily he didn't crash it. He just well, he, yeah, beached sorry. it in the gravel. Beached in the gravel, did not crash. He uh, had a braking issue. Um, actually, it was actually an engine issue. He had problems with his engine braking uh, going into turn one. He had that problem throughout all of FP3, and it continued into qualifying. So they also changed his uh, one of his engine components before the race, and he started from the pit lane because of that. Yeah. Along with Valtteri Bottas. Um. So, getting into the race, Verstappen got a bad start, and Russell passed him into turn one. Uh, Verstappen continued <laughs> his poor showing at the start, and it was passed by Hamilton into turn three. So, after three turns, it was Mercedes 1-2, which was very exciting to see. Yeah. Um, I feel like Verstappen always has really bad starts. I like, mean, this season... his weak start. Like, his weak point last season, at least. Yeah. It is kind of interesting. Verstappen's one weakness seems to be that about half the time he gets a very poor start. Yeah. Um, it's like he rolls a d20 dice. Yeah. <laughs> rolls <Something> like that. <laughs> rolls for race start. Yeah. Um, contrasting that, Russell always seems to get good starts. Hamilton's pretty consistent with that. Uh, and then Fernando Alonso as well. Also very consistently very good on the start. Um but moving on, on turn three as well, Leclerc was spun into the gravel after contact with Lance Stroll. Not Stroll's fault, he was squeezed, he had nowhere to go. Uh, but that caused the first safety car of the day as Leclerc was beached. Uh, no one, I think there were a couple cars in the back that pitted, but no one of interest at the front. Um, and so they went around again after the restart. On lap seven, Albon spun and hit the wall pretty hard into, I believe, turn eight. I think it is maybe it's turn six i don't remember um let me look at my map i've got up here turn six yes uh that's why i have the map up there this season <laughs> yeah i was like if only there's an oh there is a map yeah um so avon spun hit the wall into turn six causing a safety car as uh there was a car on the racing line and a bunch of gravel spread across the track Russell and Sainz pitted under the safety car, but after they came out of the pits, a red flag came out and completely screwed up their strategies. They uh, were not afraid to throw out the red flags this race. No, they were very generous with the red flags, um, which, which uh, I don't know, we'll, <laughs> we can talk about that a little more at the end, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, did you watch the race live? Yes, I did. Ha! I did, so... Um, watched all almost three hours of it awesome uh yeah <laughs> um hamilton stayed ahead on the restart as they restarted from the grid but verstappen quickly caught and passed him on lap 12 uh, after that russell had an engine failure on lap 18 so even though his strategy was messed up it would not have mattered he pulled off to the side of the track causing a virtual safety car um that didn't really shake things up too much Perez quickly made his way up the order after starting last. Uh, he was quickly up to behind Norris, which would have put, uh, I can't even tell from the order down here, but he was probably definitely top 10. I would say probably 8th or ninth, pretty quickly. Yeah, um, yeah he, he was probably close to that 10th place. Somewhere in there. 
Um, on lap 47, Verstappen, who was at this point 10 seconds ahead and managing the race pretty nicely, went wide into the grass on the penultimate corner, but had such a large lead that it didn't really affect his race at all. He only ended up losing about four seconds of time. Uh, on lap 52, Lando Norris passed Nico Hulkenberg after a battle that lasted for several laps, one of the better battles of the race. Uh, it's pretty pretty awesome pass, too. It was a definitely a contender for overtake of the week. It uh, did not win it, though. <laughs> um, on lap 53, Kevin Magnussen uh, hit the wall and destroyed his rear suspension. He's caused the second red flag of the race. This one was the controversial one because I don't think it really required a red flag at all. Um, but on the restart, chaos ensued. <laughs> uh. Uh, everything popped off. If you follow F1 on any socials, you've probably seen the clip. Uh, Alonzo was spun out by Science. Sergeant took himself and DeVries out of the race into turn one. Gasly took himself and Ocon out of the race into turn two. Perez went through the gravel to avoid contact and dropped to the back. Stroll outbreaked himself into turn three and went super wide into the gravel. And all of this mayhem caused a third red flag. And this this red flag was deserved, I believe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, I remember watching like the first four cars make it through, and I like let out a breath. I was like, "Okay, we made it. Nothing bad happens." And <laughs> I also spoke too soon because right after that, seven cars in the back just decided to hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we waited. We waited for thirty minutes to figure out which order they were going to restart the race under if at all um after a half hour they decided to restart the the race under safety car and run the last lap uh, behind the safety car so no more racing for for the rest of that race but they decided to run them in the order that they they started in at the previous restart because the red flag the last red flag was waved uh, before any of the cars passed through sector one, so they did not actually have an official order, meaning they had to count back to the order at the start, um, minus the cars that could no longer run, which unfortunately basically just screwed Alpine over more than anybody else. Ugh. Yeah, that, that um, sucks for them. Absolutely. And in addition to that, Carlos Sainz was given a five-second penalty for his contact with Fernando Alonso, um, pretty controversially, as Logan Sargent was not given a penalty thus far. As, as, as At the time of this recording, Logan Sargent does not have a grid penalty or anything for Azerbaijan, even though he absolutely took DeVries out. Uh, so there are some people kind of upset about that. Uh, Are you not least of people? which Carlos Sainz. <laughs> um, I don't know. I uh, I do think that Sargent's uh, mistake was a lot more heinous than Sainz's. Fair. Uh, so if they if they gave Sainz a five second penalty at the end of the race, I think they should at the very least give Sargent a three place three place grid penalty, which is kind of the equivalent uh, for the next race. But um, as far as we're aware, right now, that has not happened. Give them a few years. They'll get around to it. Yeah, it's FIA things. <laughs> Consistency is key. Yep. Um, but that's part of the joy of F1. Uh, say what you want about the FIA. It's a very difficult sport to govern, and uh, not everybody's going to be happy all the time. Yep. It's kind of like watching a cat on the table. Uh, you know, eventually it's going to... Like push the salt seeker off, but in the meantime, like it generally makes okay decisions. But when it doesn't, it's really entertaining. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a, and I don't think I ever would have thought of that analogy. But my girlfriend has a cat, so uh, I've been spending a lot more time around cats. I've learned many yes. things. Yeah, my girlfriend has two cats, and I love watching them fight each other all the time. It's a uh, pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I do two cats yet. She's trying to convince me, but yeah, I'm a luckily dog I am. Luckily, I'm a cat person, so it's uh, it works out well. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we'll go on to the results of the race. 
in first place with the win was Max Verstappen, followed by Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso on the podium after the safety car restart. Fourth place was Lance Stroll, followed by Sergio Perez in fifth. Sixth through ten was Lando Norris, Nico Hulkenberg, Oscar Piastri, Zhou Guan Yu, and Yugi Tsunoda. Uh, Eleven and twelve, rounding off the finishers, were Valtteri Bottas and Carlos Sainz after he took his five-second penalty. And then the we have 13 through 16, who were technically classified, but also did not finish the race. Were Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, Nick DeVries, and Logan Sargent. And then the non-classified DNFers were Kevin Magnussen, George Russell, Alex Albon, and Charles Leclerc. So, Verstappen still looks unstoppable after three races. Uh, I just don't see him not winning the championship with the consistency and speed that he has in that car. Yeah, there's no way. Um, but, I mean, you never know, but I just, it's it's insane. Anything could happen, but it's faster than red last year's car. It's more reliable so far than last year's car. And last year he walked it with the championship, so I can only yeah. imagine what this year is going to be like for him. Yeah, reliability is an interesting point with the Red Bull, because I'd actually say that that's their weakness so far this year. The only weakness they've had is reliability. Um, it's it's honestly, it's not as bad as last season, obviously, where they had yep. two DNFs, where, well, more than two for Red Bull, but two for Max at the, in the first three races. Um, no race-ending reliability problems, but in two of the three races, Verstappen has had issues. Uh, he had a problem in Bahrain, which he was able to manage, uh, I think it was with his power steering, I want to say, something went haywire. Or was it his driveline? No, his driveline was Saudi Arabia, That was Saudi Arabia. That was the next race, yep. And then he had more more downshifting problems in free practice in Australia as well. And then Perez also had engine braking problems in Australia. Yeah, So, so not catastrophic reliability issues but maybe still something to keep an eye on yep things that are definitely slowing them down at the very least and maybe possibly bringing other cars into being competitive with them but at the same time not really (laughs) yeah so uh we'll see how the reliability shakes out but if uh if they do have an achilles heel i would say that is going to be it this season um but, uh, yeah, Verstappen looks unstoppable. Uh, on the other side of the Red Bull garage, Perez kind of got stuck in the midfield this race. Uh, I think a lot of people thought he was going to finish higher, even starting last, just because that Red Bull's a rocket ship. He did fly through the first half of the field, but then once he got behind Lando Norris, he kind of just sat there. <laughs> yeah, Australia is definitely a place where DRS trains tend to stack up with so many DRS For zones. Sure. Especially, there were four DRS zones in the uh, at the Albert Park circuit, which I think is the most on the calendar. Yeah, last year uh, they experimented with four, uh, and then dialed it back to just three, but this year they went full hog. Yeah, uh, they dialed it back last year because I think there were safety concerns because it was so early on in the season that not everybody quite had their car figured out yet because it was the first season of the new regulations. Oh, right, porpoising was a thing. And porpoising was a thing, which I think is what... Uh, ended up cutting that fourth DRS zone. But this season, porpoising has been pretty much eliminated. There's still It's still a factor, but not nearly as much as last season. So uh, they decided to go with the four DRS zones. And honestly, um, as much as people say that it was boring in the middle of the race, while it wasn't super exciting, uh, there were, there were overtakes um, throughout the whole race in the midfield. Nothing for the lead, but that's just because Verstappen... Ran off into the distance. Yeah. Um, but there was a cat and mouse game between Alonso and Hamilton. I think Alonso stuck behind Hamilton intentionally. Um, and then the restart just kind of changed everything. So uh, we didn't really get to see how that shook out. But um, it was a. I think it was actually a pretty entertaining race, as much as people said it was kind of boring in the middle. Yeah, uh, I was entertained the whole time. Yeah, I, that's not to say I didn't find myself maybe losing a little bit of tension during the middle, but it was by no means a, a boring race. 
Yeah, uh, not at all. You know, the red flag stuff, like type of thing, is interesting. Absolutely. Which do you, um, compared to Hungary in twenty twenty one? Which do you think Hungary in twenty twenty one was worse or this restart? Are you talking about when Bottas went bowling? Yeah. Uh, I think in terms of the implications it had on the race, I think Hungary was probably a little more chaotic, um, just because it was all of the front runners that were involved, and mm. I think there were more DNFs as a result. I think only 11 cars finished Hungary that year. Uh, only 11 cars finished uh, this race? No, it was 12, I or think. Or 12, okay. Yeah. Um, but very similar. Uh, but Hungary, again, was a great race. Akon won that race. Uh, so, I don't yeah. know. I, th- I mean, both, they were pretty They were pretty similar in terms of both happened at turn one. Uh, people just uh, hitting other cars and causing chaos. Um, and both were very entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah. And will be remembered for a long time. Yeah. Maybe after this podcast is done, I'll go back and watch replays from Hungary 2021. That was a good time. It was a good race. Very good race, yeah. Um, that was the race where Hamilton was the only one to restart the race on wet tires. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. took the lights <laughs> by himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and that was also the race where George Russell scored his first points with Williams. So. Oh, yeah. uh that was there was a lot to unpack with that race. That was a if you if you want to watch a fun race, that was that was definitely a candidate. Yeah. Um. Come back to twenty twenty three. Valtteri Bottas is struggling big time this year. I'm not sure what's going on with him, but yeah. Joe has him out absolutely outpaced, and Bottas is just nowhere. He's been last, I think, the last two races and. Into where at least very close to the back. Uh, not sure what's going on with Bottas. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can't afford to have another Finnish driver driving for Alfa Romeo be finishing last all the time. I I dealt with that enough with Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, My uh, heart can't we'll take it. We'll have to see. I don't know. I hope he can find his mojo. He might have to trim up that mullet. Maybe that's bad luck. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, On the flip side, Joe Bonnier has been doing really well. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe Bottas. Maybe that car is just not that great, and Joe Bonnier was just out driving it. Maybe that could be yeah. as well. Yeah, but it's so, cool to see him get an actual opportunity to show off his capabilities in a card that doesn't break down every lap. For sure. So far. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so far. Um Yeah. McLaren finally scores points this season. They moved themselves up from last place in the constructors championship. They're up in fifth place now. Uh quite the jump, but it's still early on in the season. I'm just glad to not see them at the very bottom <laughs> as a McLaren fan. Uh, I was getting a little sad there. <laughs> um, but yeah. actually, even regardless of the chaos that got them both into the points, they both drove a much better race than the last two. Yeah. Especially especially Lando. Yeah, so maybe so. A, little bit, a little bit of hope that the cars aren't as terrible as originally thought. Yep, and they're coming with upgrades in Azerbaijan, so hopefully that turns things around for them. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see McLaren back, at least, at the very least, in the midfield. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, as, far, as far as I can tell from from uh, just watching, seeing where how he's performing, Oscar Piastri is doing very well for his rookie season in terms yeah. of relative to Lando. Uh, I think better than a lot of people thought. Yeah, this has been a good season for rookies. Yes. Uh, Haas is firmly wedged in the midfield this season, as far as we're, we can tell. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg is actually consistently outperforming Kevin Magnussen in uh, in that team, which I don't think anybody saw coming. He just no. jumped in that car and is pretty quick. He's, he's actually very fast. He's been consistently in the top 10, and... Uh, 
top of the midfield even. Um, I think he's surprising a lot of people this season and proving a lot of people wrong. So I'm actually very happy for him. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still upset about Mick losing his seat, but yes, I'm I'm glad at least Hulkenberg's doing well in exchange. Yeah, so that's an okay trade off. One thing that is kind of sad is on the final restart, one of the options the FIA had was to use the order that that uh, ended up shaking out after all of the chaos ensued. And if they used the order at uh, after the after all the crashes, Hulkenberg was in fourth place, and ahead of him was Carlos Sainz, who would have incurred a five-second penalty. Wow. So, if they restarted the race in that order, Nico Hulkenberg would have gotten his first podium. That would have been pretty cool. That would have been pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that happened, that happened in an alternate universe. In an alternate universe. Nico Hulkenberg breaks his streak, but that's uh, it did not happen in this universe, unfortunately for him. <laughs> um, hopefully this season he gets a podium. I could see it happening with how quick he's been. Maybe if there's another chaotic race, I don't think anything's going to beat this one, but uh, yeah. you never know. Maybe, uh, maybe he ends up with a P3. I'd love to see it. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah, I think it would take something catastrophic for that to happen, but... Catastrophic yeah. things happen all the time in F1. Yes. Uh, moving on to Ferrari. This is the worst start to Ferrari season since 2009. Uh, Points-wise, it's uh, it's been pretty bad. I thought it had been longer, but apparently 2009 was horrific. Um, so, yeah. not. I mean, this is worse than 2020, and that, that's saying something. Because 2020 was... Bad. Not good for Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. 2020 um, was where Ferrari cemented themselves as a midfield team at best. Midfield at best, yeah. Uh, but they have one less point after three races than they did in 2020, um, partially due to signs dropping out of the points in this race and Leclerc having two DNFs to start his season. Yeah. Yeah, Leclerc's really not having a good go of it. No, uh, and it, um, it doesn't really seem. It seems mostly to be him pushing a little too hard. Um. Well. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I guess not this race, but even in Bahrain, where his other DNF was, he just had an engine failure. Uh, yeah. But then he didn't. I think he finished fourth in Saudi yeah. Arabia, something like that. Maybe I was um, thinking. Hmm. Maybe I was thinking something else. No, it was definitely Russell the French fourth because there was all that drama with the Alonso podium. Oh, yeah. So he finished probably fifth or... I don't know where he finished in Saudi Arabia. It's <laughs> been long enough. Uh, but the encouraging thing for Leclerc fans is that he DNF'd two of the first three races, and it was the same two of the first three races that Max Verstappen DNF'd last season. So there's a chance... Charles Leclerc could come back and win the championship. That's that is all I'm saying. Pure copium. Yep. One hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen, but you never know. It's Formula One's pretty crazy. Um, Oscar Piastri scored his first points at home this race. Uh, awesome to see for him. He would have finished eleventh had chaos not ensued, but uh, he did not finish eleventh. So. Um, you know, he'll take the points. Yeah. Um, good home race for him. Even if he did finish 11th, it was definitely a good showing from him in that McLaren that's not the best car at the moment. Um, and no, I think but he, it, uh, it keeps him above Alpine. Yes. Yep. And I think he enjoyed his, his first race at home, which uh, I'm sure is quite the surreal experience for any driver. Yeah, yeah, he's got a pretty good home track. Yeah, especially with the fans. The Australian fans are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, something so, like 400,000 people. Yeah, at the race. crazy. It's like Coda numbers. Ugh. That's, yeah, that's pretty don't insane. remind me. <laughs> um, and then lastly, Mercedes is right on Aston Martin he Martin's heels at the moment. Uh, Pace-wise, points-wise... 
I think that's going to be the battle for P2 between Mercedes, Aston Martin, and I think Ferrari will eventually get into that battle again. I think they've just had a bad start. Um, but I see, I mean, pace-wise, Ferrari is right in there with those three. Yeah. Um, Carlos Sainz got screwed over by the red, the first red flag. Otherwise, I mean, he cut his way through the field very quickly to get up into, I think, fourth. So, he, uh, I mean, Ferrari has the pace. They just don't have the luck at the moment, which seems to be the story of Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. All right. That kind of rounds up the race, the Australian Grand Prix. Let's go through the championship standings. Now that we're three races into the season, in first place is Max Verstappen, followed by Sergio Perez and Fernando Alonso. Fourth and fifth are Lewis Hamilton and Carlos Sainz. Six through ten are Lance Stroll, George Russell, Lando Norris, Nico Hulkenberg, and Charles Leclerc. 11 through 15 are Valtteri Bottas, Esteban Ocon, Oscar Piastri, Pierre Gasly, and Zhou Guan Yu. 16 through 20 are Yuki Tsunoda, Kevin Magnussen, Alex Albon, Logan Sargent, and Nick DeVries. Logan Sargent and DeVries are the only two drivers that have yet to score points this season. It's actually pretty encouraging that after three races, 18 drivers have already scored points. Yeah, and both uh, Sargent and, well, maybe not DeVries. I can't really recall DeVries' most recent placements. Uh, but I feel like at least Sarge has been pretty close to the points, in terms of pace, at least. Uh, except for this race. Except for this race, Aust- where he was Australia, very far off. Was, yes, he couldn't figure out this track or something. Maybe something was wrong with the car. It's hard to know. But the first two races, especially Sargent, was, I would say, definitely top 15. Um, yeah, definitely right, right up there. Yep, yeah, for sure. Um, and then Nick DeVries actually has been not that great this season. I thought he was going to be stellar, but uh, he has been outperformed by Yuki Sonoda for sure. Um, kind of moving around at the back of the field for all the races he's been in so far. Hopefully he can find his mojo and, and uh, get into, you know, at least the top 15 and challenge for points. Yeah. Um, but moving on to the Constructors' Championship, in first place by a country mile is Red Bull Racing with already with 123 points. Uh, Aston Martin is second, followed by Mercedes in third, Ferrari in fourth, McLaren in fifth, ahead of Alpine in sixth, and Haas in seventh. Alfa Romeo is eighth, Alfa Torre is ninth, and Williams is <laughs> where Williams usually is in tenth place. Yep, but everybody does have at least one point this Yes, season. there are no teams with zero points, which is actually awesome to see. Yeah. So, actually, in that regard, I don't know. I mean, I think AlphaTauri and Williams are tied at one point. I think they're also possibly tied in the first round of the tiebreaker with a 10th place. Well, actually, duh, that's that's the only result. Uh, So, they are just going back in tiebreakers right now in terms of the most highest placements, I guess. I don't know how to explain that. Um... But uh, we'll see. I think with the way Albon is driving, I could very easily see Williams jumping up into kind of more in the middle of the midfield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Albon versus Tsunoda. Albon definitely, I think, is going to be so. outscoring Tsunoda all the time. And without without chaos, I don't think either of the Alfa Romeos... Well, where did Joe finish this race? He finished in... Ninth, so I guess they would have four points without chaos. Um, so, but I I also think that uh, it's very possible that Williams finishes ahead of Alfa Romeo this season at the very least. Yeah, with the way Noko Hulkenberg is driving, I don't see Williams beating Haas. No, but... Haas is where where the line is on actual yeah. competitive cars. I would say so, and then the bottom three are going to be Alfa, well, Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri, and then Williams. Yeah. Um, so that's the Constructors' Championship, and that rounds off our Formula One coverage for this week. Let's move on to our paddock news. We only have one thing to talk about. Yeah, I, uh, I see the. It's just one bullet point. This is Felipe Massa. 
Yes, I added it last second before we started. Um, and uh, let's talk about this real quick. Felipe Massa has uh, been pondering the idea of filing a lawsuit or an investigation of some sort into the FIA's decision um, to not cancel the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix. And this all revolves around something known in the F1 community as Crashgate, where Nelson Piquet Jr., who was Fernando Alonso's teammate at Renault that season, crashed on purpose in Singapore to benefit Fernando Alonso's race. Fernando was... I think out of the points and because of where everything ever all the drivers were and how everything shaked out uh pk crashed causing a bunch of people to pit and fernando went to the front of the field i don't remember if he won that race but he was definitely on the podium um this started this whole controversy uh that ended up being dealt with a year later in 2009 um and there were fines, people were fired, people were banned from F1. It was a whole, whole big thing. Uh, but anyway, at the end of the season, Lewis Hamilton beat Felipe Massa for the world championship by a single point. And if Singapore was excluded from the classifications, then Felipe Massa would end up being the 2008 Formula One world champion. And, uh... This is where all the drama starts because this week Bernie Ecclestone, who was the kind of the guy in charge of F1 at the time, said he knew about Crashgate. He knew about the intentional crash, and he would have, uh, under the regulations, needed to exclude that race from the calendar. But he did not want to start a controversy. He wanted to save for the save face for the sport, and so he did nothing until the next season when everything was over. Uh, that was brought to light this week, and so now Felipe Massa is considering legal action, but 15 years have gone by, and so who knows how far he can get with that. No, nothing's um, going to happen. There's nothing's no going to happen, no, because if they change the result and s take Lewis Hamilton's first world championship away and then give it to Felipe Massa... The FIA would be opening a whole can of worms, and the 2021 season would undoubtedly be called into question uh, because of how the season ended. <laughs> but unfortunately, I think if they did that, unfortunately for Lewis, I think they would just exclude Abu Dhabi from the from the classifications, and Max Verstappen would win uh, on a tiebreaker anyway. Yeah, well, there's there are probably so many scenarios like that throughout the years that can have the same logic applied to them. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's useless trying to go through and whittle down each one. And racing yeah. is so variable anyways. I mean, who's to say that any of these outcomes were guaranteed in the first place? Yeah. Part of why racing is such a fun sport to watch is because chaos happens and, you know, decisions are made that affect things that, you know, not everybody's happy with. But that's just part of the sport, and so if we're gonna get into suing, suing people for results, especially results that are 15 years ago, uh, I think we're just kind of, it's it's like what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's a fun headline, but nothing else. Yeah. I just uh, wanted to mention that in case something does come of it, because if something does come of it, it's going to be gigantic news and uh oh boy <laughs> um but this will probably most likely be the last we hear of this yeah but who knows who knows all right moving on to pit stop championship uh we only had 11 official non-red flag pit stops this race <laughs> uh actually we had a couple more but um only 11 individual cars made non-red flag pit stops um so starting with the winner this race sergio perez continuing his form from last season with a time of 2.11 seconds he wins this race uh 
followed by Akon and Sainz on the podium. Uh, fourth and fifth were Sergeant and DeVries. Six through ten, rounding off the points finishers were Sunoda, Joe, Batas, Russell, and Piastri. And then in 11th place was Kevin Magnussen. So, let's get through the Pit Stop Championship standings real quick, because it's been a few races. And a first place for the Drivers' Championship is Charles Leclerc, followed by Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz. Fourth and fifth are Alcon and Verstappen. Verstappen down at fifth in a Red Bull, that's interesting. Uh, and then 6-10 is Russell, Hamilton, Tsunoda, Sargent, and Gasly. 11 through 15 is DeVries, Stroll, Joe, Magnussen, and Bottas. And then 16 through 20 is Alonso, Norris, Albon, Piastri, and Hulkenberg. All right. Constructors' Championship. Ferrari in first place, followed by Red Bull and Alpine. Uh, fourth and fifth are Mercedes and Alfatori. 6 through 10 are Williams, Aston Martin, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and McLaren rounding off the finna- the uh, the order. <laughs> so McLaren's still at the bottom in, uh, in one aspect. Yep. <laughs> hey, tractor tires take a long time to swap on and off. Yep. <laughs> okay, that rounds off our Pissed Off Championship segment. Let's move on to the overtake of the week. I gave this to Pato Award with his overtake on Roman Grosjean and Alex Pillow on lap 221 of the PPG 375. Crazy double overtake down the inside, three wide into turn three. Oh, yeah. Um, Anytime you go three wide on an oval, that's got to be a guaranteed pass. Uh, it was be- pass win. Overtake it was beautiful. Of the week. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And just the move, the, the speed he had, it was, oh, perfect. All right, so congrats to Pato on that. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, the weekly predictions. Let's go through wow. our predictions for last week. Uh, okay, PPG 375, pole position went to Felix Rosenqvist. I said Pato Award. What did you say? I had Marcus Erickson. Fair enough. He's uh, very strong on ovals, and uh, he was very strong this week as well. Just not strong Um, enough. Not quite. And then the podium, just to remind everybody, this is not in any particular order. Uh, Podium ended up being Newgarden, O'Ward, and Polo. My guesses were Newgarden, O'Ward, and Rossi, so I actually did pretty well. What did you say, Ben? I had Erickson, Power, and Polo. So I at least got Polo, but uh, Erickson and Power were not quite close enough to the top for me. Yeah. But uh, between the two of us, we got all three. So yeah, <laughs> I'm happy with that. Yeah, it's like yes. the law of averages. Yeah, <laughs> which isn't a real law. I need to remind people. Yes. But, no. Yeah. Mr. Johnson made that very clear in <laughs> senior year statistics class. Um, yeah. Shout out to Mr. Johnson if you're listening. Probably not, but <laughs> it's a fun class. <laughs> anyway, uh, winning number of pit stops. We were so far off. How could we have known that there'd be four safety cars? Yeah, pretty insane. Uh, New Garden won the race after six pit stops. Yeah, which <laughs> blows my mind. I don't. I don't even remember how he got six pit stops because Award had four. Uh, I don't know, man. But oh my goodness, six pit stops and he won the race. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, we I'm, both I'm guessed now two. thinking two was maybe a little low, even without the the safety cars. But I th- yeah, I oh, think well. it's been I think it's been long enough without an oval race to where we kind of forgot how oval races work. Um, yeah, and <laughs> but given we will not that, make that mistake next time. Given that we we both started taking a a more vested interest in IndyCar last season, uh, we still have a lot of things to learn. I think. Yeah. Especially with pit stop strategy, it's so complicated and so varied. Yeah. Uh, but that's why I love watching IndyCar. <laughs> it's, it's a learning so experience every crazy. time. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the Australian Grand Prix predictions. Top five, just to remind everybody, was Verstappen, Hamilton, Alonso, Stroll, and Perez. My guess was Verstappen, Perez, Stroll, Alonso, and Leclerc, with my dark horse being Gasly. 
Verstappen was my only correct one that time. Yep, uh, it was it was a bad week for both of our dark horses because um, Alcon <laughs> also got taken out. Uh, yeah, the Gasly crashed into my your dark horse crashed into my dark horse. Um, yes, but yeah, I had Verstappen, Perez, Russell, Alonso, and Leclerc. Um. Yep, and then if Gasly had not crashed into Alcon. Uh, I believe Gasly was running in fourth at the restart, so my dark horse might have hit. <laughs> yeah, I was fingers crossed for sure, but unfortunately that did not happen. And once again, we go another week with horrible predictions. But who could have predicted that race? Yeah, um, um, fastest lap. Fastest lap. What's this? Uh, Sergio Perez this week, which and, uh, I guess. I guessed Fernando Alonso. I was correct. I guessed Perez. Uh, unfortunately, driver of the day was also Perez, and neither of us guessed that. Nope. Uh, I guessed Pierre Gasly, and yeah. it was very incorrect. Yeah, I had Russell. Both of ours DNF'd. Yep. Unfortunate. All right, moving on to this week's predictions, starting with the IndyCar Grand Prix of Long Beach. We have two IndyCar races before the next episode of Rev Hang will air. So, first one is Long Beach. Uh, let's start with pole position. I went with Roman Grosjean. And I went with Joseph Newgarden. Okay, Newgarden hype train continues for Ben. Yep, although Grosjean is a really good choice for Long Beach. Yes. Yep, he got pole in uh, St. Petersburg, and uh, we have another tight street circuit in Long Beach, and uh, I would not be surprised if he did very well. Uh, moving on to the podium prediction, I have Scott Dixon, Pato Award, and Marcus Erickson. And I have Power, Herda, and Rossi. Uh, I actually thought about putting Grosjean on the podium there, but uh, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I hope so. I kind of want to win a race so bad this year. Yeah, but also kind of want to see Rossi get up there. Too. Absolutely. Cool. Rossi needs that confidence boost. He's It's been too long since he's won a race. Um, all right, winning number of pit stops for Long Beach. I went with three. And I went with four. Okay. All right, moving on to the Alabama Grand Prix. Um, pole position, I went with Scott McLaughlin. And I went with Scott Dixon. Alright, one of them will be from New Zealand. Kind of <laughs> Alright, uh, podium, I went with <laughs> McLaughlin, Groshan, and Rossi. Uh, and I have Polo, Power, and Award. Alright, and the winning number of pit stops, I said four. Uh, I went with three, uh, who knows, maybe there will be a, a safety car that lets the, the top spot get an extra fuel uh, pit stop in. You went with three? Or five, yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, three plus two. There we go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Now moving on to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix coming up in three weeks' time. Um, top five. Uh, why don't you go first, Ben? Oh, boy. Uh, so I've, I went really boring, uh, except for my dark horse. I went with Verstappen, Perez, Alonso, Hamilton, and Stroll uh, with Albon as my dark horse. You did okay. not go very conservative with this. I did not, and I'll explain why. But first, my top five is Alonso, Hamilton, Stroll, Russell, and Gasly, with my dark horse being Nico Hulkenberg. So... My prediction is Max Verstappen, the absolute legend, versus Sergio Perez, the king of street circuits and the king of Baku. We have a repeat of 2018 with the Red Bulls crashing into each other. Oh, no. So, that's my, that's my two cents. It will probably not happen, but with things getting spicy at Red Bull last year... Uh, and Sergio Perez unwilling to back down from Max anymore. Uh, with this being one of Perez's best tracks, I could see this happening. Uh, fair point. But uh, we'll see. And if it does happen, I'll be. Uh, it'll be a very entertaining race to watch. Yeah, severe hijinks. 
Yes, absolutely. So that is my prediction. That's why my top five looks kind of insane. And it is kind of insane. Yeah. All right. Fastest lap. What did you say? Uh, I've got Verstappen. Okay. And I've got Pierre Gasly. My reason being uh, he will probably be detached from the top four should this Perez-Verstappen crash happen. And so he will have clean air in front of him. And the Alpines have been very fast in a straight line this season. All right. So hedging your bets. Again, with yes. the uh, the Red Bull double crash. Yes. Okay. All right. Driver of the day, what'd you okay. say? Albon. And I've got Alonso, and this one could happen regardless of whether the Red Bull's crash or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I figure if Albon gets anywhere near, uh, like, eighth place, I figure that could be a shoe-in for driver of the day. It's possible. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if the Mercedes engine is up to par at a track with a straight leg Baku, but um, who knows? We'll see. Um, all right. Ben, do you have any words of wisdom for our lovely listeners this week? The days are, are getting brighter. You're going to want to start waking up earlier. You're going to want to start drinking more coffee uh, as the sun starts coming out and there's more stuff to do. Uh, but, you know, just whether you think it affects you or not, I think it's a good idea to, you know, maybe one or two weeks every other month or so, uh, take a break from caffeine, you know, take a, a tolerance break, uh, make sure you're not getting any headaches or anything like that, because the last thing you want is to to be dependent on that sweet, sweet, dark liquid uh, to get you out of bed in the morning and get you to your appointments and your meetings with friends and uh, keep you awake on a hike or something like that. So just make sure you're uh, you're watching your caffeine intake. Awesome. Good stuff, Ben. All right, everybody, that rounds off this episode of Rev Hang. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on. It really helps us out. If you want to see updated standings for IndyCar and F1 or a calendar of upcoming races from all sorts of different series, check out our website, RevHang.com. If you have a question about racing or about us, hit us up on Twitter using hashtag RevHangPodcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. You can also follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld and myself at 2N underscore squared. We'll be back in about a month to cover the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and both of the upcoming IndyCar races. Until then, I have been Nathan. And I'm Ben. Thanks for hanging out. See you later.